Hi, and welcome to the White Hill podcast series. My name is Roger. I'm one of the pastors here at White Hill, and we're glad that you've chosen to listen to one of the podcast messages today. Our prayer is that you would be challenged and inspired to take the next steps in your journey with God as you listen to this message. If you want to keep in touch with more things that are happening at White Hill, head to our website at whitehill.church and you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. Enjoy this message now. Happy Mother's Day to all the mums out here today. And thank you to those brave mums who are part of our video. Um, it's easy to answer the question about um, you know, what you love about being a mum. You can always find something, can't you? But to describe yourself as a mum, oh, that's a little bit harder, isn't it? Depending how honest you are, perhaps. <laughs> I love being a mum. Um, I have two kids and, well, they're not kids anymore, they're in their 20s and married and grown and left the house, but they're still my kids, aren't they? They'll always be my kids, yeah. And even if you love being a mum, it's interesting that when you kind of scratch below the surface of the shiny veneer of motherhood, I mean, when you are really honest, most mothers would admit that they, there is a weight to motherhood. We often feel like we're not doing a good job, that we could do better, that we could be better. And I think, if we're honest, all mums kind of feel the same. I remember when I was expecting my first child, I had a plan. I had a plan for motherhood. This child was going to work in with my life. And at the time, I had leave from um, my job as a school music teacher, and I was teaching piano students from home. So they would come in the afternoon after school from about, you know, 3 till about 6 p.m. And I thought, okay, well, I'll probably have to have a week off, and then the baby will, like, sleep between 3 and 6 when I teach, right? <laughs> yeah, my family were very wise in that they didn't say a word at my when I voiced my plan, and they just kind of smiled and nodded. And I soon learnt that that was a ridiculous plan, and children did not fit in with what you have planned. So throughout my mothering journey, I have often felt overwhelmed, not enough, not up to the task on many occasions. Because each thing that you face is new, and you're often not prepared for the next thing that comes along. And I think I'm probably not alone. Whether it's caring for a newborn, whether it's battling toddler tantrums, whether it's dealing with teenagers, or even children who are now adults, and making choices that you would prefer them not to make, I think all mums feel ill-equipped, underqualified, maybe guilt-ridden, a failure, and perhaps hopeless on more than one occasion. Mothering is hard and it can be a heavy weight to carry. And besides that, I recognize that as I speak to you today, there are others who carry a different sort of weight. There are those here who would dearly love to be a mother, but have not yet been able to, and you carry perhaps a weight of unfulfilled dreams. There are those whose mothers are no longer with you, and you are missing them today and you carry a weight of grief and loss. And there are those whose relationship with their mother was anything but loving, and you carry the weight of perhaps unmet needs. 
And then there are those whose child is living a life that is not the best for them, chosen to go their own way, and you carry the weight of disappointment and grief today. Or perhaps there are those here today who just feel like they did a really bad job of mothering, and you carry a weight of guilt and regret today. So I just want to pause for a moment today and be real. This is not the shiny Mother's Day message, but I want to speak to that part of us that is feeling hurt, feeling lost, feeling inadequate, feeling a weight of hopelessness, and ask the question, is there hope, or do I just have to kind of suck it up and get on with it? We're going to read a story today of a woman who found herself in a hopeless situation. And she was carrying a weight of pain and grief. But in her story, I think we'll find some hope for ours. Now, this story is found in the Gospel of Luke. And it's only about five or six verses long. So everyone's going, yes, short sermon today. (laughs) Um, But it starts in chapter 7 of Luke. And um, you can look it up in your Bibles or the verses will be up on the screen. So verse 11 says... Soon afterwards, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. So I want to pause there because it says soon after, and obviously something has happened before we start this story. So to give you some context, Jesus had commenced his ministry, and he was traveling around, and word of his power to heal people was spreading around the area. So much so that a Roman centurion who was respected by the Jews at the time sent some Jewish elders to Jesus to ask if he would heal his servant who was dying. And Jesus was amazed at the faith of this man and he healed his servant without even being in the room. People had never seen this before. It was exciting. I mean, those who witnessed it were amazed at what Jesus could do. Someone who was sick and dying was now healthy and strong and full of life. And it was soon after this incident that Jesus heads to this town, the town of Nain. And it says that his disciples and a large crowd went with him. Now this crowd would have witnessed the healing of the centurion's servant. So you can imagine the mood of this crowd as they traveled along. I mean, I'm sure it would have been one of excitement and anticipation for what was coming. And I'm sure there was lots of excited chatter as they walked along. I mean, they would have been on a high. And then the very next verse, verse 12, it says, as he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. So as Jesus comes to this town with this large crowd of excited people with him, they were met by another crowd, except this one had an entirely different mood. This crowd trudged towards a cemetery. A grieving woman, a widow, headed the funeral procession. And behind her, mourners carried the the funeral bier of her only son. And as they made their way to the graveyard, a a large crowd from the town was with her. And they would have been wailing and mourning loudly, as was the custom of their day. They expressed their grief loudly. 
The mood would have not been excited, but totally the opposite. It would have been mournful and sorrowful. Imagine yourself as this mother in this story. I suspect that her shoulders were drooped, her head was down, tears streamed down her face, and she carried the weight of sadness and madness as she looked to what the future might be for her. There would be no grandchildren. There was no one to care for her or to speak up for her. You see, in first century Israel, women lived in a male-dominated culture. So it was the males who were in charge of the family unit. It was their role to speak for the women, to provide for their family. So as a woman on her own, she would have relied firstly on her husband for this. But it tells us that she was a widow. Her husband was dead. So her son would have stepped up and taken on that role for his mother, supporting her and speaking for her. But now her son was dead as well. So now she's in this difficult position. There's no male to care for her. So what's left for her now? Her grief would have not only been for herself, for her son, but for herself as well. Hope for the future had died with her son, resulting in two dead people rather than just one. When these two crowds encountered one another, exuberant hope met extreme hopelessness. Have you ever felt hopeless? Perhaps you find yourself in a situation that seems hopeless. A child who's gone their own way, a spouse who has abandoned you, unmet desires, unfulfilled dreams, whatever it is. What do you do in that place where it seems like there is no hope? Where you can't even imagine a different future from the one that you're living. And as Jesus came to this scene, he could have just waited till the crowd walked past. And then he could have proceeded with his journey. After all, he knew that God had set up provisions for widows in his law. In Deuteronomy 24, God tells the Jews in verse 19, when you are harvesting in your field and you overlook a sheaf, don't go back and get it. Leave it for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow, so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. And there's lots of verses like this. Over and over, the community was commanded to step up and help those who were without support by leaving the edges of their fields unharvested, by not gathering all of their crops, the widows, the fatherless, and the foreigner, those without support could glean and gather food and have enough to eat. Wasn't much, but at least they would be fed. And Jesus, knowing this, could have walked on and left the care of this childless widow to to her community. But instead, it says in verse 13, When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her. And these are the words that are printed on your little gift today, mums. And I want you to really let these words settle into your hearts today. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her. Jesus saw her. Have you ever felt invisible? Do you feel like you are alone with the weight that you carry? the weight of pain? Do you feel like no one really understands what you're carrying? 
God sees you just as he saw this woman. Sometimes we see God as some distant, aloof, uncaring God who is unaware of our pain, uncaring of what we go through. But is this really who God is? These words in verse 13 paint a different picture of a God who sees us and whose heart is moved by our situation. Before we can even begin to verbalize our pain, God's heart goes out to us. He is moved with compassion toward us. We all do a pretty good job of hiding of masking how we're really feeling and how we're going. To the world around us, we can put on a mask. We can appear like we have it all together. We can paint a picture of success, of happiness, of contentment. We filter a perfect picture to the world. Yet scratch the surface, just like the mums on our video, and the picture begins to fade a little. We all live with pain. Pain is unavoidable. And pain is relative. You might lose your job or you might lose a a breast to cancer. Whatever it is, pain is something that we all experience. But in our pain, we are not alone. It says that Jesus saw her and he sees us, the us without the masks, the us that are vulnerable and carrying the weight of grief, of pain, and his heart goes out to us. That is his response. Over and over, the Bible paints this picture of God. In the New Living Translation, this verse reads, his heart overflowed with compassion. Jesus' heart is moved with compassion toward us. And the word compassion isn't like this surface pity. The word in the Greek talks about the bowels, to be moved as to one's bowels, It sounds a little bit gross to me, but but in the ancient world, the bowels were thought to be the seat of love and pity. So to be moved with compassion, it's not like a surface thing, but it's a love that comes from the depths of who you are for the other person. And these were not accidental words. Luke chose his words with care here. And he uses this same phrase in a couple of other places in his book, This phrase, heart went out. In Luke 10, he used it to describe the compassion of the Good Samaritan upon seeing the wounded traveler on the road. When he sees him, his heart went out to him. He was moved with compassion for him, which moved him to extravagantly care for the man. Luke's message is clear. Before we can even verbalize our pain, God sees us and his heart goes out to us. He has moved towards us. He is aware of our pain even before we can articulate it. And he comes to extravagantly love us in it. His presence with us makes all the difference. I remember when my daughter was in preschool, she was swinging on a metal fence outside of preschool and her grip (laughs) slipped. And she fell back and hit her head against the Besser brick wall. She came to me trying to be brave, but I could see straight away how much pain she was in. There was blood flowing down the back of her dress. 
She didn't need to tell me what she was feeling. I was her mother, and as mothers, we know when our children are in pain. We can sense it, and our hearts are moved with compassion. Our natural inclination is to be with them, to get alongside, to comfort and ease their pain, and sit with them in the doctor's surgery as they get eight stitches in the back of their head. God is like that with us. He loves us, and he knows when we are in pain. His heart is moved toward us. Jesus was so moved by this widow that he was moved to action and inserted himself into her story. He came up to her and he spoke words to her. He said, don't cry. And at first glance, this kind of seems heartless, doesn't it? I mean, why would Jesus tell a grieving mother not to cry? Of course, she's going to cry. But Jesus knew what she couldn't know. He knew what was ahead and he knew that he would breathe hope into her hopelessness. He could see the future where she could not. She could not imagine that there could be anything different to what she was experiencing. Jesus was saying to her, this is not the end of your story. In verse 14, it says, then he went up and he touched the buyer they were carrying him on and the bearers stood still. So Jesus, he made a choice to step in without consequence to himself. And I think this is really important to understand. You see, in Jewish law, to touch a dead person meant that you would be unclean for seven days. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? Being unclean meant that you would be isolated. You'd not be able to enter the temple, which was a pretty big deal at the time. It would interrupt his ministry. It would affect how people saw him. It would inconvenience him. But here was Jesus willing to risk being ceremonially unclean for this widow of Nain. He was concerned with her far more than, he, than himself. And when he touched the buyer, the bearers stood still. They thought, what is going on? I'm sure they held their breath, and you can imagine both crowds probably extremely quiet now, just watching intently. And then he said, young man, I say to you, get up. What? This hadn't happened before. This is the first recorded incident of someone being brought back to life. So you can imagine the crowd experiencing, what is he doing? And then in verse 15, it says, the dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. So rather than the dead man transferring uncleanness to Jesus, Jesus transmitted life to the dead. Can you imagine the transformation in this woman's face and posture when she witnessed her son sitting up and talking? I wonder what he said. Maybe Happy Mother's Day, I don't know. <laughs> But the crowd who before were wailing with grief were now, I'm sure, in shock, but wailing with delight. Where this woman was weighed down with this burden of grief, alone and without hope, now Jesus has restored both the woman and her son to life and hope. In one amazing act, he gave a future back to the son and transformed the future of the mother. What is the pain that you're carrying today? Is it the weight of shame 
of feeling like you're not enough, of failure, of grief, of guilt. Are you overwhelmed? The list could go on and on. Whatever the load is that you carry, I want you to remember this today. God sees you. He is not unaware of how you feel, of the weight that you carry as you trudge through life. His loving gaze is on you. If you are a follower of Jesus, he gives us this beautiful promise that he is with you. In fact, there is nothing that can separate you from his love. In Romans 8, 38 to 39, it says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Isn't that beautiful? God sees you. He is with you. You are not alone. And even before you can verbalize what you are feeling, God's heart goes out to you. He is moved with compassion towards you, with the love that comes from the depths of who he is. You are the object of his attention and his affection. Whatever the load is that you are carrying, the weight that burdens you. You are not alone in your pain. Jesus comes alongside you in it. In our grief, he gives us his presence and his comfort. In the times that we feel overwhelmed in life, he gives us his strength. In the times that we feel like we're not enough, he says that you are of infinite value, a child of the king, worthy of love and acceptance. In the times when we've just given up, lost hope, where we can't see a future, he says to you, this is not the end of your story. I have made a way. In me, you have a future and a hope. Luke tells us that the dead man in this story was the only son of his mother. And this word translated as only in this passage is the Greek word monogenes. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but it means only born or only begotten child. And this is the same word used to describe Jesus' connection to God. Jesus is God's monogenes, his only begotten son. In John 3.16, it says that God so loved the world. He didn't just love it, he so loved the world. He so loved you that he was moved with compassion, that he gave his monogenes, his one and only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but would have life, would have eternal life. God loves us extravagantly, beyond what we deserve. He loves us recklessly in the sense that he's completely unconcerned with the consequences of his action with regards to his own safety or comfort when it comes to loving us. Without caring about the consequence to himself, Jesus, God's one and only son, stepped into our place and into our pain. 
He willingly took on our uncleanness, the weight of sin that we carry, and transferred his cleanness onto us. God changes our story. Where once there was no hope, now because of his death on the cross, where he died in our place, we have a life, a future, and a hope. He triumphed over sin and death so that these are no longer the end of our story. They cannot overwhelm us because in Jesus, we have a new story, a story of new life. The widow, the son, and all the people, in verse 16, it says, they were all filled with awe and they praised God. God is worthy of our praise and he invites us to trust him, to believe in him, to surrender our life into his hands, to commit our life to him. His are safe hands and we can trust him with our heart, with the weights that we carry and with our stories. Perhaps for you, you've never surrendered your life to Jesus and you're holding on to your grief to your guilt, to your feelings of not being enough. And you didn't know where to turn or what to do. Can I invite you today to surrender the weight of all that you're carrying to Jesus? Put your trust in him. Receive the forgiveness that your soul needs, the healing that you need, and receive new life in him. A hope for the next life, but a hope for this life as well, for the life that you're living right now. If you've never done that, then you can come to him today in the quietness of this moment. Know that he sees you and his heart is for you. He is ready and able to carry all that you bring today. And it would be remiss of me today to move on and not just take a moment and give you the opportunity to have a conversation with God this morning. So would you bow your heads with me? And if you're the person that just needs to pray that prayer, would you pray along with me today? Lord, I'm tired of carrying this load on my own. It's too heavy. I surrender it to you today. Lord, I admit that I can't do it on my own. I can't save myself. I need a savior. Jesus, I thank you that you stepped in. You took on the weight of my sin and gave up your life for me. I believe in you and I want to commit my life to following you every day of my life. Thank you for the future and the hope that is mine in you. Lord, I pray for each one of us here today. You know each one's heart and you know the pain that we carry, the things that we hold on to. Lord, may we be aware of your presence with us, of your heart that is moved towards us, of your words of healing and hope that are said over us, and your reminder of the future life that we have in you. I pray a blessing on all our dear mums today whether they're here in the room or watching online, may they know how much they are extravagantly and recklessly loved by you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 
If you prayed along with me today and you'd like to um, have a conversation about that, we have a little prayer knock up in the back corner over there. I'm going to head over over there after the service. And um, if you'd like someone to pray with you or to just um, be with you over there, please come and join me. If you're watching online and you prayed that today, we'd love to connect with you. So head to whitehill.church forward slash connect. We'd love to have a conversation with you. God sees you and his heart goes out to you. I hope you can remember those words as you leave this place today. But I think Thank you for listening today. If you live locally here in the Ipswich region, we would love to invite you to come and join us in person uh, here at one of our Sunday gatherings at Whitehill. Uh, for more information on our services or our ministries, head on over to our website at whitehill.church. If you're interested also in taking next steps in your relationship with Jesus, please also at our website, hit the connect button and let us know where you're at. We would love to catch up with you either over a coffee or on a phone call to chat with you about where you're at. We hope you've enjoyed watching this message and we pray that God would continue to bless you as you seek to seek Him in your daily life. God bless.